So I met the Dishes like five years ago, and I was working at another church, and they were working at another church, and God uh, drew us together on a mission trip, and an instant friendship sparked, and uh, it's, it's a good uh, just affirmation or a, re, uh, a reaffirming of like just God draws people together, and I remember uh, when we did some transitions here, and we started putting stuff together, like, hey, we're going to revamp the leadership, and I thought, like, we need a worship, we need a worship uh, team, uh, but we need we need uh, people who just understand the heart uh, of the believer and the heart of God. And instantly, the dishes came to mind. And it only took three years of begging uh, <laughs> uh, and a lot of meals at Gloria's for me to say, "You got to just come. I will give you free shirts." Um, and uh, they finally did. So uh, if and, and the hesitation was never for a lack of willing to serve. It was. A lack of uh, are are we are we the people that you need? We're not we're not usually the people in the front. And if you need more ref- any more affirmation, one it's it's a beautiful thing to see your worship because you believe the words you say. But two, you've made my job really easy because at this point I can just redo the announcements so we can go home. You've already <laughs> you've already brought the word, um, so I'm thankful for that. Um, uh, good morning, my name is Timothy Roundtree. I am uh, the, one of the pastors here at Trinity Church. It's always an honor to stand before you. Uh, the summer is upon us, um, and the summer is a lot of different things for a lot of different churches. For Trinity Church, it's a time where we recoup and we come back in and, and we recover from just uh, a year of serving and a year of, of, of doing God's work. We don't stop the work of a church um, uh, and in a lot of churches, they gear down, and we do similar things, but we gear down with intentionality. We gear down with um, the thought of we're going to slow down some of our, our constructed ministries so that we can pour back into the body of the believers so we can uh, give endurance, give rest. Uh, give um, some sabbatical uh, uh, love and so that we can hit the ground running uh, for another year of service in the church. And I'm really thankful for that. I'm really, um, I'm really going to miss uh, Casey uh, as, as they move on because Casey uh, had, uh, has, has worked for the church for three years and he's done a lot of the stuff that no one's ever seen or heard of. And one of the bigger growing pains is just trying to figure out everything that Casey did because it was a lot. Um, so pray for us as we move forward. But pray for your staff as we plan the next year of, of where God is calling Trinity Church. Um, uh, there, there's, there's a board that makes a lot of financial decisions. There's a staff that makes the spiritual decisions. And then those two things have to meet. We have to, we have to see where God wants us to move. We have to see where God is calling us. And then we have to pay for it. So there's a lot of beauty here. Um, and this is our first uh, time where our sponsoring church is not footing the bill. So from here on out, uh, Trinity Church has, one, earned the right to uh, kind of call its own shots. And two, is, is going to more than ever lean back into this room and say, if you want this church to thrive, put your money where your mouth is. If you want this church to serve the people of Oak Cliff, give us your sweat equity. Um, and I'm excited. So a lot of people uh, enter in that time as a church plant. So we've been, we planted four years ago. We went a corporate meeting about three years ago. And we got consistent Sundays about two years ago. And everything is, is, is a fight, right? It's, it's, a, it's a fight for the right to do the next step. And this church has beautifully fought and and has earned the next step and there there could be some trepidation into that step of like we are now on our own we are a like it or not we are either self-sustained church or we are not but there is no there is no more safety net and it's easy for that to fill some of us with fear but i want to tell you the board and the staff is not felt with fear because one we had to earn that right 
And that right was not just given to us. The fact that we've made it four years with a faithful group and a faithful staff and faithful men and women that come alongside us has been a beautiful, beautiful thing that I'm honored to be a part of. And I'm really excited because there's never been a time in this church's life where these people haven't stepped up. So I'm eagerly waiting to see what God has next. For Trinity Church, we have a lot going on. We're going to have pool parties. We're going to have meetings upon meetings upon meetings. So pray for your staff as we meet so much um, to try to just figure out. That, that, that should, they should have told me that like in Bible college. That like, yes, learn God's word, but two, understand how to run a meeting and vote. Like two things, understand how to run a meeting and understand how to motivate volunteers. That is the to- totality of seminary, I think. Um, so uh, pray for us as, as, we, um, as we dive into that. Today we're going to continue our study in Genesis. We're going to go through Genesis 20 for like almost seven seconds, and then we're going to land in Genesis 21, and we're going to dwell in Genesis 21, 1 through 21. And it's a beautiful passage. It is um, one of my favorite passages in Genesis, and one of my favorite passages in the Bible because it shows the character of God in two completely separate situations that are packaged together in a sovereign act in chapter 21 where we see that God is a God who answers promises. We see God is a God who hears his people and we see that God is a, is a God that answers and sustains his people after hearing their cries and that is detailing to the believer the character of God. These two stories aren't happenstance. This chapter isn't happenstance. This is a fluid work of God. And that's really why we're going through Genesis. That's why we study the way we do. We we have topical studies. We push pause for, for Easter and, and Advent and, and some Thanksgiving and we're going to do uh, a, a topical study here in a little bit where we're going to in June we're going to work through the Lord's Prayer and we are going to just cut, like what is corporate prayer? What is personal prayer? We're going to dive into what prayer is in the life of the believer and in the life of the church. So, but for the most part this church digs in in what we call an exegetical study. We're going to pick a, a book of the Bible and we're going to work through it. We're going to start with the first word and we're going to end with the last. And I think it's so vital as believers for us to pour the marrow out of the Bible to see like what does God have for us because everything is so beautifully intentional. And we're going to see that today. But we're never, we're never trying to fill you with academic or educational knowledge. We're trying to fill you with the life of God. We're trying to explain to you that this book is not merely a knowledge-based thing, but it's here to transform your heart. I want you to know truth. I want you to be confident in that truth. I want you to be confident in your faith because as your pastor, I believe a person who is confident in their faith proclaims their faith. And a person who is unsure keeps their mouth shut. And I want you to be able to step into space and boldly proclaim the truth of Christ. No, you're not going to become a theologian under my teaching because I'm not a theologian. You're not going to become uh, an expert in this or that purely under my teaching, but I pray that every time you enter this room, you hear the gospel of Christ and you leave understanding that everything we do is for the glory of God and everything we do is to follow Christ as He moves and as He shows us, as the Spirit comes alongside us and works out the the, the plan and the will of God for the glory of God. I pray that we always see that and we always understand that because it is important to know truth. If you just kind of have a general understanding or you're not confident in the Word of God, you are going to be a slave to what sounds right. Matt Chandler said that better, but I don't know these direct quotes, but I just butchered it. But you're going to have to trust me that, one, he's a much better speaker than I. Thanks for coming to this church, though. But what he says is true. He says that if, if you don't understand the Word of God, you're going to be a slave to what sounds right. And 2019 needs men and women of God to understand truth so they can proclaim truth, so they can step into space 
face and say, I know what you're saying is not right, but here's what is. I know the things that you need, the things that you crave, the things that you yearn for are never going to satisfy you because you're not yearning Christ. I know my Savior and I want you to call Him King. That's what we're about at Trinity Church. And we need that more in 2019 than I've ever seen in my life. And it's getting hard to, to speak truth because it's coming with consequences, right? So when I first started pastoring uh, years ago at other churches and, and when I came here, there was also always this trepidation of like, I want to speak truth, but I don't want to offend. And there is some truth in that. Because if you can't speak truth in love, you miss the point. If you, if you speak truth in judgment or tr- truth in some kind of arrogance, then you've missed the point. But at the same time, you also have to speak truth and stand in it. So you don't have to wonder where the round trees, if you follow uh, my wife on social media, you don't have to wonder where the round trees land on the pro-choice, pro-life debate. And it's really hard to speak on because I don't know where this room comes to with that. I don't know if you come uh, proclaiming the sanctity of human life or if you constantly regret the weak moment you had in your life and you can't look past it. But I'm here to tell you, that, that, that Trinity Church understands the sanctity of human life, and we fall in to the, we believe all life is breathed out by God, that, that you are intrinsically woven in your womb. We believe and we cry out the words of Psalm 139. But it's not just as simple as to say, I'm pro-choice, or I'm pro-life. That's a political thing that I don't really care about, honestly, because um, you can't say that we're just about the sanctity of life and not care about the sanctity of the mother. And too many times, and when it comes down to a political thing, and we see, and I, and I, I always hesitate when I step into a pop cultural reference, but I think when we, we see truth or we see falseness and we understand that biblical truth will shine light to it, I think we have to step in. I think you, you pay me to guide into that step. So I'm not here to offend anyone. I'm actually here to love everyone. And I, I, I have a particular... Uh, soft spot in my heart because of the job I do Monday through Friday. I have the beautiful job that I love and that I was created for that I get to be a detective uh, who specializes in crimes against children. And that, that, is, that is my calling. I, I have two equal callings. I'm the pastor of Trinity Church, but I am the champion for the abused. And I love it. I was created for it. And I'm, I don't know if I could ever do anything else. And when I see this debate have so many facets and so many caveats and there's so much hurt and pain whether either you believe is wrong or whether you believe is right or you believe it's a woman right it's a woman's rights or you believe that, that, that there's a mistake you made that you can never come back from I'm here to speak truth to that and say yes we are all about the sanctity of life we believe the words of Psalm 139 we believe that everyone was made in the image of God but at the same time I want to love every person where they're at because that's what God did for us I don't know if you where you come to on that topic and I don't know the burdens you bring with that topic but I want us to be a people that understand truth and understand love and it's not just as simple as you saying something really stupid on Twitter but it's actually you coming alongside the hurt and the needy and saying I'm here no matter what you've done or where you're at I'm here to love you I have a community that will love you and I want to be someone that points you to Christ alright so we haven't even started that wasn't even on my notes <laughs> Good though, I got six minutes. <laughs> no, let's just, you know what? Let's just wing it. I like it. All right, so uh, again, we're gonna we're gonna continue where Jamin left us off. Jamin had a crazy week last week. Like that was some crazy stuff. That was like 
really intense, and he did an amazing job of, of dabbling on it and then getting to another scripture quick, um, which is exactly what I would have done. I've been like, see this crazy stuff? John 3.16. But we're going to reaffirm today... Um, that, uh, that that we we have we, we serve a God that that when his when he promises something he promises it with sovereign uh, truth when he says when something's going to happen it is going to happen and if there's anything you can take from some of the craziness that Jamin walked through last week is where you are in your life dramatically affects your ability to answer God. If you are walking lockstep in the will of God, if you're in a community that that, that, that puts high emphasis on, on Scripture, you're in the biblical community of people that love and support you, then when God calls upon you and God shows you a way, it's going to be easier to say yes. And if you are like Lot, if you are living in sin or you're close enough to sin that it's getting really, really hard to tell you between the bad guys, then it's going to be a lot harder to answer God's call. And what we see between Lot and Abraham throughout Genesis is that if you are walking in the will of God, the the next step will be easier. The next step that you're being called to will be an easier yes and an easier step. And if you're lost and you are, have no clue where your true north is, it's going to be really hard to get yourself out of it. And that's really what I took away from last week. But as we move forward, we see Abraham continually be faithful to the next step, even when the next step doesn't make any sense. Because that's the definition of faith. If the next step made sense, you wouldn't need faith, you would need logic. But we are people of faith, not people of logic. So we're going to see that today. For time's sake, stay seated. I'm going to have to make some ad-libs. We're going to have to move. You're going to have to listen so fast. And I'm just going to dive in, and I want us to, I'm going to exegete as we move forward. So I'm going to read it, stop, read it, stop, read it, stop. You'll get the gist. Genesis 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. We can really just stop right there. God did what he said he was going to do because he said he was going to do it. And he did exactly what he told Sarah he would do. Verse 2. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God spoke to him. Abraham called the name of his son who bore to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. So God has come and completely fulfilled the promise the exact way he said because he is God and he is sovereign. They named him Isaac in accordance to what they said he would name him. Everything is playing out in God's timing according to God's will. Verse 4, And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God has commanded. So again, Abraham is continuing to be faithful to the command of God inside the covenant of circumcision. Verse 5, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born, and Sarah said, God has made laughter in me. God has made joy in me. God has made uh, rejoicing in me. Everyone who's hearing me will laugh over me. These aren't the shallow laughs that we'll, we'll dive into in a second. But these are saying, God has brought joy to my soul. And we've, we've dived into the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is fleeting. Joy comes from God. Joy will be in the morning. Joy is here. She's saying, I have labored and I have waited. I have stumbled. I have misstepped. I am broken. But God has fulfilled this promise to me. Blessed be the name of the one true God. Verse 7, and she says, Who would have said to Abram that Sarah would nurse a child? Yet I bore him a son in his old age. So this is a God-affirming trait. This defies 
reason. This defies logic. She is postmenopausal, so this defies biology. This is absolutely a miracle because God said, we're going to do stuff in my timing. I'm not worried about your biological clock because I created the known universe. I am not beholden to your your menopause. I'm not beholden to, to the chemistry or the biology of human nature. I created human nature. I parted the Red Sea. I, I did everything. He hasn't parted it yet, but you'll get there. Um, I realize that's got out of order, but you got to trust me. The sea was totally parted. Verse 8. Got really excited. He's going to do some crazy stuff in Genesis. It's going to be great. Um, and the child grew, and he was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw that the son of Hagar, which is Ishmael, the Egyptian, who she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So he was laughing. Here is described or is translated to the word mocking. So, so Ishmael, for some reason, at this feast is, is mocking Isaac. This enrages Sarah. So again, Sarah goes with her primordial and broken instinct. So she said to Abraham, cast out this slave woman with her son, so the son of this slave woman shall not be the heir with my son Isaac. And these things displeased Abraham, because this isn't like her kicking out of the house and they have to go down the road and find a new home. You casting out a single mom with her son in the desert is a death sentence. So it pleased Abraham because he knew the consequences of these actions. He knew that if he casted his son out and, and the concubine out, that there would absolutely um, be death and devastation. They would not survive. Verse 12. Here's some hard words that we're going to break down. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named, but I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also because he is your offspring. So that's really important to say. So it's easy to follow God's commands and his calls when they make sense and they have happy ending. But right now, God is saying in the light of logic, he's saying send them out and it would be completely natural for Abraham to see, you're asking me to kill my son. You're asking me to cast out um, my second wife and, and the, the only son I had for 14 years. I've grown up with this kid for some time now. And you're asking me to cast them out into the desert. Well, they will die slowly. And God says, yes, do as Sarah has told you because I'm going to make a great nation out of both. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and the skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child, and she sent her, and she, he sent her away. And she departed and wandered into the wilderness of Bathsheba. So I love there where it says they rose early. There wasn't this debate. There wasn't this month of let me just see what feels right. Let me, let me get some more advice from my, from my people. Let me try to seek advice of the elders. He said, no, God commanded me. I rose early in the morning and I did it. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the child under the bushes and then went and sat down opposite of him a good ways off and about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of my child. This is getting real. It's easy for us to have perspective because we know the end result. But I don't want you to lose sight of the faith it takes because she's not thinking, blessed be the name. She doesn't know what God has told Abraham. She's literally on her last hour. They have run out of water. They have run out of food. And she is sitting her son down. She's not sitting her son down for any other reason that she doesn't want to watch her son die. 
She doesn't want to watch her son succumb to the elements and die before her eyes. So she makes the conscious decision that we're both dead, but we're going to die apart. So there's two trains of thought, right? You can die in my arms, or you, you, we can die separate. Uh, uh, Hagar makes the decision that I can't bear to watch you die in my arms. So we're going to go a bow shot away, which is about 350 yards. And I, I want to be out of sight. But important here, geographically, it's also you can't hear them die. It's not going to be a beautiful thing. It's not going to be this, oh, well, just peacefully close your eyes. No, he's going to succumb to the elements. It's going to be nasty. She is in trepidation. She is in fear. Her worst nightmare is coming true before her eyes. Verse 17. But God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God, God called out to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy and hold him fast with you. Hold, for I will make you a great nation. Verse 19. Then God opened the eyes and she saw the well of water. And she went and filled the skin with the water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and the mother. He took his wife for him from the, uh, from, uh, from the land of Egypt. So he says God opens his eyes. There's, there's some supernatural events taking place. I don't know if he made a well out of nothing, it doesn't say, or if he hid the well from them and then it appeared. Either way, it was supernatural. Either way, there was certain death. God hears the cries of his people, he intervenes, he sustains, and now there is life. There's so much beauty in this chapter because what we see here is the totality of the character of God. We see in the very beginning of chapter 21 that God answers his promises because he's a sovereign God. We also see throughout chapter 21 that, that he's going to call us in to extremely hard places. Everyone likes Job 13, right? Though he slay me, I will trust in him. I used to hate that passage. I hated that passage growing up. It's not a secret, and we don't have time to dive into it, but I spent a greater part of a decade of my childhood being systematically abused um, in some of the worst ways. And I, I've grown up through that. It's, it's made me who I am today. But I remember people used to bash in that and say, though he slain me, I trust in the Lord. And I used to think, yeah, because you're not being slayed. That's a, great, that's a great verse until you're the person being slayed, and then you're just angry. But we see here that God's going to call us into hard times. I'm not sure Abraham listens to Sarah without God coming and saying, no, obey Sarah. There's a really good chance that Abraham says, I'm the tribal leader, know your place, I'm not sending my son out to kill him. But our God said, no, this is going to get real bad for Sarah and Hagar, but I'm going to sustain them and they're going to have to trust me. I'm going to call them out into a hard place. I'm going to slay them, but their trust will sustain them. I'm the same God that, that has the plan for his people. And through this plan, through this slang, he is calling us out to draw us in. We see here that God's promises are fulfilled through Abraham, through Isaac, through David, through Christ. We see it as God's plan for reconciliation. From the first step we took when man was forced out of the Garden of Eden, God has devised a redemptive and atoning plan to get us back into the Garden of Eden. And everything in the Bible points to the cross of Christ. Everything in the Bible points to that plan of redemption. There is no randomness. There is no happenstance. We serve a God of intentionality that shows His love every step of the Word. And I love 
Wow, Jamin put it last week that you can believe it or not. But your belief in these, these teachings, your belief in God's love, God's promises, God's hearing, God's answering, your belief in that, this will greatly determine how you live your life. Because if God is a God who answers His promises, that means we can hold tight to every promise. Everything that's promised to His believers in the Word of God is something that we can wear as armor. We see uh, in Hebrews, it talks about understanding the promised Savior. Understanding that you were promised uh, the one and great high priest. You were promised the Messiah that you need as the intermediary for you to God. And through God, looking through Christ, He now sees you. In Exodus, He says that the Lord will fight for you. You just have to be still. You have to be silent. That means when you're going at war and you feel that you're surrounded, you're actually just surrounded by Christ. Isaiah 43, 1 through 2 um, is promises that I cling to. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, my childhood was amazingly beautiful because I had great parents, but at the same time, it was surrounded by darkness. And I remember constantly turning to Psalm 43 and just made everything make sense. These are promises we have to hold to. Isaiah 43 reads, But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. These are promises we cling to. We were created, we were formed, we were redeemed, so fear must leave us. It's okay for something to scare you, but you can't stay afraid. Because we have a Christ that goes before us. We have a God that goes before us. Verse 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom and Cush and Sabah in exchange for you. Some of the things I circle in this passage is when. It doesn't say if. It doesn't say if you pass through waters or if you walk through fire. It says when. There's no scenario in your life where God hasn't called you to and through tribulation. And I know that's hard for us to stomach. It's hard for us to say, I'm going through something and I, I know that my sovereign God saw it and that my sovereign God is going to lead me through it. That doesn't always sound good at night, but it's always true in the morning. That when you go through it, it's not an if, but since there is a, a certainty to it, there's just as much reassurance that our God will be with us lockstep along the way. We serve a God who came to us. We serve a God who walked on the water in the midst of the storm for us. We do not serve a cheerleader. We do not serve a motivational speaker. We do not serve someone who's just yelling really encouraging things from the sideline. We serve a God who says, I see you in the storm. I put you in the storm. I'm going to walk through the storm and I'm going to calm the storm. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. I don't know where the story finds you. And it's okay for you to be angry at some of these words. I spent a large portion of my life being angry at these words because I suffered from anxiety and worry and fear. And all of those are symptoms of weak faith. Everything that I felt growing up of just anxious and anxiety, I used to suffer from really bad anxiety attacks. And not anxiety attacks to the fact, fact where you would see me go through like a, uh, some kind of physical transformation, but more of just a worry and that tightness in your chest that you can't comprehend. And that tightness and that anxiety is because I wasn't clinging to the truths and the promises that are given to me by God. I knew about them because I've read about them, but I didn't believe in them and I didn't cling to them. And there's going to be a time in all of our lives, whether we're in the desert or the storm, that you either have to cling to this or you have to run from this. Because this isn't something that you can take impartiality. There is no moderation in faith. 
There is no moderation in faith. Moderation is for cowards. You are all in or you are not in. And there is times in our life where things aren't going to make sense. There is, there is darkness. There is sadness. And all we have to cling to is the character of God, knowing that His promises will be fulfilled, that He hears us and He answers us. And sometimes I don't even know what to say for Him to hear me. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says it best when Paul writes that, that the Spirit intercedes for us on our behalf when we don't even understand how to talk. There have been days in my life where I've been so down where I just sat there and said, I don't, I don't even know. I don't, know, even know. I don't even know what to ask for. I don't even know what I need. And Paul writes, the Spirit comes at that moment and intercedes on our behalf with groaning too deep for words because the Spirit is searching our heart and aligning it with the will of God. That's faith. That's beauty. That's understanding that tonight could be horrible or tonight could be amazing. Like I said, I say this a lot. I don't know where today finds you. I don't know if you're sprinting in to church on a mountaintop with glory and admiration for God. I pray that's true for you, but I don't know if you're limping in. I don't know if this was one of the worst and hardest weeks of your life or this is a week where, where glory and, and justice just shine down upon you. And the beauty is it doesn't matter because this Bible teaches us that God comes at the mountaintop and at the valley and draws us into Him because of the promises He's professed and the promises in the truth that we know ring out in our faith. He fulfills His promises. He answers and hears the cries of His people. I, that doesn't mean you're going to make it easy and doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. He answers the needs of his peoples, not the wants. The wants are depravity. The wants is, I want a kid now, so, so sleep with this slave woman. How'd that work out? It, we see throughout Genesis a story of redemption and a story of promise and healing, but you also see a story of our sin is not in a vacuum. Sarah is constantly dealing with friction she manufactured, she composed. And through that brokenness, through that trouble, some of the trouble you're in is probably self-made. Some of the trouble I'm in most of the time is something I did, but that God still loves me through it. There is no brokenness. There is no, there is no you've done too much and I can't redeem you. He is the creator of the known universe. He is the creator of human race. There is no brokenness that He can't mend through Christ. And that's why I get, so I get so impassioned at social media on large events like this week where we see some states make some laws that, that, that protect human life. And there is this rage on social media on both sides. And part of me says, like, God bless, get off social media. If there was a button, I know this would piss a lot of you off because some of you have some really good vibes on Instagram. I know I shouldn't have said that. That's on me. <laughs> If there was a button to end social media, just so many times I end it, right? Because there's nothing on there. You're not changing anyone's mind. You're just poking the bear. But what you see there on social media is a lack of love, right? Again, I apologize. Let's still got some weird looks like he just kind of church cussed. Everybody just calm <laughs> You know exactly who you hired. And we are, and I'm, yeah, let's just get off our high horse. Um... What, what I think, when, when you don't understand the truth of God and the character of God, you can't love like God does. And that's what you see in 2019. You see huge, huge debates over things that are cosmic. Like the sanctity of human life is not something that should be debated in, in a government building, but it should be explained through the word of God. Amen. That is where we land. 
And I, it breaks my heart. Because every time I read something on social media, it doesn't make me think, oh, it's a great point. It makes me think, I'm just sad we're here. And I'm sad there's no love. And I'm sad that uh, it's going to be that way till God calls us home. Because there's brokenness and there's hurting. And a lot of what you see is from brokenness and hurting. And I pray that we are always the men and women of God, the sons and daughters of Christ, that step into that space, regardless of the debate, because it will be another debate a year from now, two years from now. There will be another debate, and I don't know what that debate will be, but I pray we answer it the same as we answer all debates, with truth and love. And if you can't do them simultaneously, and you can't do them parallel, then you can't do either. There is no truth without love, and there is no love without truth. I pray... Um, I pray that, that the truths of today's sermon find you where you need them. I pray that if, if you already understand the promises and, and the answering and the hearing of God, that this just reaffirmed you and continues on your march. I pray that if you are on your last nerve and you are broken and you understand what true north is and you don't have a shoreline to find you home, that you call these truths home and you allow us to come alongside you and love you. This week is a trying week for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who have gone through a lot of things. This is a trying week uh, for some of uh, the people in our church, uh, more specifically the Houghtons. This is a trying week for Trinity Church. Um, this week, on, on the 15th, we celebrated uh, the birthday of Hollis Houghton. Hollis Houghton was and is the daughter of, of Hillary and Jamin Houghton. Uh, she was born on the 15th. She is and will always be a pillar of Trinity Church. She was called home on the 21st uh, of May 2017. She lived six beautiful days, and she has done more for this church than anyone else I know. Uh, she, she turned this church into a group of people who liked hanging out into uh, sons and daughters of God. Uh, we were lost. I'll be completely, and if you think me saying pissed is bad, you're not going to like this. We didn't know where we were going and what we were doing for. We didn't have an identity. We didn't know if God was actually calling us to be a church. We didn't know how we were going to lead. We didn't know what we were going to be in Oak Cliff. We knew that we liked to hang out and that we were good at growing out. And that's all we had. God used that, but what he did to show us who we really were was haul us out I, I, I feel like I, I, at the same time I feel trepidation saying her name and I never want to be quiet at the same time. I don't know how to handle that. Um, Hollis Houghton turned me into the pastor of Trinity Church. Uh, Hollis Houghton uh, turned this, this group of people into to, uh, the believers that are making transformative work in the city of Oak Cliff, in the city of Dallas, in the state of Texas. And I am I'm lucky to call myself the pastor uh, of Hollis Houghton. I'm lucky to call myself the pastor of the Houghton, of the Houghtons and just how much I love them. And how I, I've seen faith move mountains through their life because of them doubling down. It would have been easy and understandable for them and everyone in this room to fade into the oblivion because it was too much darkness for a young church to handle. And instead of doing that, everyone doubled down by the leadership of the Houghtons. They showed us how to love. They showed us what true faith is. They embodied the, at some point in your life, your faith actually has to mean something. And you did that. Damon is one of my best friends in this world, and he continues to show me faith every day. This, day, this morning, I said to Asher, Asher woke up, and he, I said, what are we doing today? And he said, I'm going to go play with Jamin. I'm going to hug Jamin. I said, well, who is Jamin? Jamin's your friend, but he's actually your boss. <laughs>
what you don't know is my son's a little more switched on than the rest of you. And that's actually the truth. I love y'all. I love Hollis. And I'm thankful for the opportunity we have to serve alongside each other. I'm thankful that her, her birth and her calling home coincides with a, a Sunday that reaffirms the promises and the hearing of God. And that we are not alone in our sadness and our valleys, but our valleys are just preparing us for the mountaintop experience with our God. Amen. I love you dearly. And I'm ugly crying right now. <laughs> so I'm glad we podcast this only. I'm going to pray over us, and we're going to close out in one more song of worship as the dishes come up here. God, I love y'all, and I hope this week finds you well. God, thank you for today. Thank you for being a God that fulfills His promises, a God that hears His people, and a God that sustains His people. God, I pray that throughout this week, you, you embolden the truth that is our beliefs, and that we, we step into space with love and truth, and that we are not conformed to the culture uh, of this world, but that we are renewed by your love and your ways. I pray all things in your name. Amen.